Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Jeremiah Grossman. Uh, so, Jeremiah, can you, uh, you know, for those who may not know, uh, give a little bit of background about yourself and, and kind of what you're doing now? Sure. Uh, good morning. Thanks, Tony, for having me. I really appreciate it. My name is Jeremiah Grossman. I am the founder uh, and CEO of Bit Discovery. And prior to that, I was the founder and CEO sometimes CEO, sometimes CEO again, of a company called White Hat Security. Um, so I was part of that company since uh, day one for about 15 years. And so most of my career in information security, which is about 20 years or so now, is all, it's all web security, just trying to solve the security issues with the web. Very cool. So in, in you know, I, I, I've, like I said, I've, uh, like we were just talking about before we started, I've known of you and kind of followed along, you know, since the white hat security days. And, you know, I've you know, seen you slash run into you at, uh, you know, RSAs and black hats and such for the you know, better part of the last decade. Um, one thing I noticed in, in kind of, you know, researching uh, a little bit for, for this podcast is when I look at white hat and then I look at, uh, you know, uh, bit discovery, um, and then you know you had you had another one in the middle there uh, with uh, with Sentinel One, um, but you 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 have you know a history an established history of uh, successful cybersecurity companies, and you seem to kind of take the same core group of people with you, and so I was curious, um, you know, for someone who's just starting a business, whether it's a cybersecurity business or just a business. Um, in your opinion, what's more important, having a great idea or having a vision for the business or having the right team to collaborate and execute? That's a really good question, one that comes up a lot. Um, I think for uh, my core philosophy in uh, running and operating businesses, at least in information security, is just to identify a really big and concrete problem and to be a successful business that if you solve the problem in such a way that people will give you money for whatever your solution is. So for instance, at White Hat Security, um, the problem we were trying to solve there is that websites had vulnerabilities. We just didn't know where they were. And most of the time it was the business model was consulting to find vulnerabilities or desktop scanners that way. So White Hat was a software as a service model, subscription model. So we could do that work and find where the vulnerabilities were in untold number of websites, better, faster, cheaper than anything else. So that was the idea. Um, to execute on that idea took, you know, some of the best count that around, you know, the people that were around me, uh, friends and colleagues and things like that. And we were mentioning Bill Pennington uh, earlier, who's from your uh, same hometown. 
So to your core question, you know, how valuable are ideas? I'll say ideas are a dime a dozen. They're really not worth a whole lot. There's been a billion unexecuted ideas. And for me, there's two things in business that matter most. One is the team that can execute. You know, do you have the right people that can execute a plan? And, you know, can they work together really, really well? And that team is what you need because ideas will be honed over time. You know, it's hard to have a really good idea, a really good vision that carries forward. So you have to have the right set of people for the right problem. Yeah. So yeah. So I I, I didn't want to taint taint your answer up front, but my 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 feeling, having having not actually started a, a company other than you know my my own one person company, I am sitting here. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't really count the same. Uh, but but just from what I know and from what I've seen, I I, I felt like uh, similar to what you just said, like having an idea in and of itself, like that's great. And you could have the, 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 the best, most innovative idea that's ever happened. But if you don't have the team to execute it, it's worthless. And the, and the, the flip side of that is you can have a mediocre idea, but if you can execute the hell out of that idea, you can still win. Exactly right. It's a, that's really all it takes. You don't have to have the best idea. You just have to have a really good team. And the other thing that it's you know a little weird to, you know to think about is while we all like to think that we are very competent, very intelligent people, I've also found that intelligence, ideas and intelligence are a little overrated. I'd actually prefer a, a work ethic. You know, people that grind and work together really well don't have much of an ego, because not everybody can be smart at all things at all times. So if you're humble enough to, you run into a problem, you look at it, and you accept there's a problem or you made a mistake and solve it, and you just grind at it every single day. It's very difficult to lose. It's very difficult not to succeed when you're just willing to put in the sweat equity. You know, people will will bet on you when you show up. Absolutely. Um, so, y- you mentioned uh, Bit Discovery. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. So, what you know, when you when you decided to, you know, go out and start a new thing again, and you decided to do Bit Discovery, what's what was the vision there? What's your primary focus or what's the, the, the main purpose behind bit discovery? Well, for, for years, and, and everybody knows this today, but for years, the problem we were running into at White Hat Security was that the customer wanted to scan all of their websites. The problem is you, no one knew all of their websites or all of anything they had connected to the internet. So the vast majority of companies that we ran into, that you run into today, don't have an inventory of all their internet connected assets. And as the saying goes, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to secure what it is that you don't know you own. And that problem ends up being very uh, technologically challenging to solve. I would say probably the most challenging uh, problem I've come, a- I've come across as far as you know, finding a solution for it. So Bit Discovery was meant to do that. So our tagline is an inventory of all your internet connected assets, instantly created, automatically updated. So we want anybody in the world, any organization to come to us and get a full and complete inventory of everything they have you know, connected to the internet in minutes. And uh, that's what we've been doing uh, the last year. And we've, uh, traction has been uh, really, really good. Okay. So you, you, you alluded to this uh, a little bit already just in that, in that response, but um, uh, one of the other uh, kind of follow-up questions I had with is, is sort of, you know, in your opinion, how important is it for an organization to have that, you know, comprehensive, accurate inventory of 
all of the assets that are connected to their network. Sure. Well, having an asset inventory for any organization gives you a whole lot of capabilities, you know, not just for information security, but for things like uh, cyber insurance and compliance, third party risk management, um, competitive intelligence and so on. But we come from a security background, so we automatically had that uh, that in the back of our mind. If we wanted to come out inventory from a security point of view, it's just not the only thing. But uh, how we got away with in information security with doing information security without having an inventory is beyond me. It's like it's the one thing everybody in information security agrees on. You must have an inventory. It's the one thing at the very first of every single standard. It's also the one thing that we don't do. And I think we don't do that not because we don't know it's because we don't want to. It's because we didn't know how the tools and technology wasn't available and it's just really hard. So we took it upon ourselves. The bit discovery team came together. We picked the right people for the right roles and spent three, five, you know, like five years building the technology that it would take to, to do it. So uh, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Well, okay. So yeah, yeah you talked about how, uh, you know, we've always known, uh, you know, that, that uh, having an inventory is, is important, if not, you know, crucial. Um, because, and like you said, you know, it's a, it's a relatively common um, tagline or whatever to say, you know, you can't, you can't secure what you don't know about, or you can't protect what you can't see, you know, all, all those types of things. Um, and, you know, and I feel like not only have we always kind of said it, but then I feel like there was this period in the middle where everything kind of exploded. You know, all, all of a sudden there were exponentially more connected devices with, you know, mobile and then you got cloud and then you're know, like all, all of a sudden the problem that you had just trying to keep an accurate inventory of your local on-premise network where you had total control over all of the all of the PCs that was challenging enough for organizations and then all of a sudden you're you're, you're saying okay well now we've just opened up to the whole world and i think i think a lot of people just kind of shrugged their shoulders and went well i i guess i give up you know <laughs> i don't know what i'm supposed to do now you forgot uh, you forgot the cloud <laughs> yeah right and and you know, but but I've seen you know uh, not not other companies l like Bit Discovery that are sort of like solely focused on this issue, but other cybersecurity vendors who in the last few years have kind of pivoted and made that like a renewed focus. Like you know, so there's a lot of people talking about visibility and, and asset inventory and, and and all of that. Um, and there are a lot of companies that provide that in different ways and, and, and to varying degrees. Um, so can you tell me or tell the, the podcast audience, like how is bit discovery different or better? Or, you know, like how, you know, what, what are you doing that other vendors aren't when it comes to getting that inventory and, and maintaining it in real time? Absolutely. So you're, you're absolutely right. So let's say every vulnerability assessment or you know vulnerability scanning player out there has some type of feature or offering that does asset inventory. Every security ratings company that I'm aware of does it. You'll even sometimes find asset inventory services uh, in web application firewalls or consulting services. But the thing is that they're just barely good enough to serve the needs of the product that they're selling. You know, we're going to quick, you know, find as much as we can, but the process might take days, weeks, if ever. But what you'll find a lot of these products is that they're never good. They're never complete. They never have all the data that you might expect in an inventory. 
they'll find things, but you won't be able to save them in an inventory, sort, filter, and organize them. There is no real purpose-built product for internet-connected assets. You only get like a spreadsheet or a list from the other players. So what we want to do is a very focused, very purpose-built tool so you can type in any organization name, every any domain naming, create an inventory for that organization, and then pull all the data together, all the DNS data, IP data, port data, metadata, anything and everything, ASNs, where things are located, anything and everything in one inventory. So you'll find a little bit here and there, a little slice of data here and there, but never, never before a one-stop shop for everything in one spot. So that's what we bring to the table. Okay. So for, for the companies that are bit discovery customers, so, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm a company, I uh, get bit discovery. So now I've got this complete, you know, account of my internet connected assets. Um, how, how is, how is that being presented to me and what do I do with that information? Like how, how does that integrate with, or connect to other systems I might already have, or you know, what do I do with the information that I get from BitDiscovery? Fantastic question, and that's where it, that's where it really comes down to it. There's two halves of this problem. Is one is you have to get create an asset inventory, which is hard enough and powerful enough. So that's one thing we've been solving. And one of the things we learn is that you have to then operationalize this data to make it useful. That's the other half that no one's really done a good job yet. So over the last six months, we put a concerted effort to operationalize bit discovery. So there's we have a there's the UI, but the UI is mirrored with an API. So the uh, the API is full functioned, and we also have uh, uh, email alerting and ServiceNow integrations. And we're working on Slack and uh, and Splunk actively. So what you do is you take the bit discovery data through the API, and you can wire it directly into your scanners, your uh, back-end CMDBs, your configuration management databases, wire it directly into ServiceNow, like I mentioned. Uh, you can pull it into web application firewalls or uh, SIEM systems. We've seen all, all different sorts of integrations that way, but that's generally how uh, people are choosing to use the data. Wire it into their asset management systems on the back-end or vulnerability scanners. All right, very cool. Um, so let me, uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit off of that because uh, there's I guess two, two other things that I've I've noticed in in doing my homework uh, for this this podcast number one is uh, the number of people associated with your core team who are based in Hawaii and I'm, I'm like I, 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 is it like do you just have like everyone who's in cybersecurity in 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 Maui just works for you <laughs> uh well, it's funny, the, the core team that founded White Hat Security, we just happened to be from Maui. We're all childhood friends. We grew up together. And then we added uh, Bill Pennington and a couple others when we moved to California to do uh, to do White Hat Security there. <clears throat> so after we um, all of us left White Hat Security for one reason or another, um, then we wanted to found another company. And we all just moved. In the meantime, we all just moved back home. So we just all got together again and started the company once more. Um, this time around, though, um, we're we're doing it all completely virtually. We found that there are time and places for having headquarters and physical office space, but the team of uh, of five or six that we have now are spread out all over the place. Three of us are in in Hawaii just because we grew up here and that's where we live, but also we have two in Texas and uh, and one in Boise, Idaho. So uh, it's you know with just 
that's the cool part about running a, a distributed and virtual team. You get to pick from the best talent wherever they happen to be in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's a podcast episode that I've, I've recorded, but I haven't aired yet um, uh, with Andrew Hay. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and we talked a lot about that. We talked about how, uh, about how, you know, companies that are adamantly opposed to remote workers uh, kind of paint themselves into a corner because not only can you find, you know, possibly better talent if you expand the pool beyond people who are within driving distance, um, but you might also be able to save money because, I mean, if you're based in California, if you're based in the, in the Bay Area, you've got to pay Bay Area wages. But if you hire someone who lives in rural Idaho, <laughs> you can pay them half as much and they'll still be happy. And they might even be happier because their their cost of living is way, way. They might be making more out there than they would otherwise with a double salary in California. Right, right. So, yeah, there's just there are certainly advantages to that. It, um, it's, it's huge. If you pick the right people and they know how to work well together online. I mean, it's huge. I mean. I don't even know why it's a, even a, a, a debate, really. You get access. To, it's a broader pool of talent and more. And it's actually better pay and better salary for both sides. You're, you're paying the right person the right, you know, the right amount of money. It's, it's, right. it's great. I don't know why, any, why anybody would do it another way. Right. All right. So, so the other thing I noticed is and I've noticed this for some time now. In the world of InfoSec. There's an obsession with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and as far as I can tell, you're patient zero. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I can't really tell you that it, how it started. It was certainly wasn't on purpose. So uh, a long time ago, I was, you know, I, I'm still am a big UFC fan. I've been a fan for a long, long time, and I had aspirations at one point in my life a long ago of stepping in the cage one day. And you have to know this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu stuff. So I, I got together with a coworker and we took a class and uh, it was I was hooked and uh, the whole story behind that. So I, I kept training, <clears throat> but I was also doing uh, public speaking and on the conference circuit and uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. If you train hard and you train a lot, you, you get injured. It's an injury prone sport. So I'd have, uh, you know, black eyes and little abrasions here and there. It's just incidental stuff, nothing major. But I would show up to a conference or a business meeting. I'd be all like scuffed up like I was in some uh, some kind of underground fight club. So in order to allay people's concerns that that's what I was doing, I started blogging about my experience in doing this training in martial arts. And and somehow that blog, just to explain myself, inspired others, uh, such as Chris Hoff, who is now over at Bank of America, to start training. And then, uh, you know, we, you know, people in Brazilian jiu-jitsu like training with other people that train Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so we started having, you know, get-togethers, what we call our smackdowns at different conferences and I started inviting other people in to introduce them to this uh, to this new to this martial art, and I guess it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, it it is. I mean, I'm aware of like you know, yeah, when we go to RSA, when we go to Black Hat, there's generally a, a get together. Um, I also am you know uh, friends with with Hoff, and and follow, you know we follow each other on Instagram and stuff, and so I see you know he's built an entire gymnasium in his backyard and just invites everyone over on Sundays just to you know. You know, wrestle on the mat. That's the life. He's he's he should be everybody's. Uh, <laughs> everybody should be uh, wanting to be like Chris. I want. Well, I want. I want to. I want to move to North Carolina just so I can attend. I just want to. I just want to be in the sphere of Chris. <laughs> you should. Uh, if you haven't tried Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you should. Uh, you should give it a shot. And uh, you know, I have that. I have the SmackDown coming up at Blackett, so you're more than welcome to come. 
Well, uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, I will, I will look into it. I actually messaged uh, uh, Hoff once, um, and he, he never responded. So he, he must have just missed it, because he does usually respond when I, when I message him. But I messaged him just to ask him if I was going to, in the Houston area, seek out uh, someplace to train, like, what would I look for to separate the good from the bad? Like, how do I identify what's a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu studio? Well, one, if you uh, share with me the area that you're in, I'd be happy to help you. But usually it comes down to, uh, to what I recommend to everybody is you first go to the academy. You want to go to ones where they wear gis. There's nothing wrong with the no-gi academies, but you want to wear the ones uh, generally in gis if you're a new uh, newcomer. And the reason for that is simple. There's the Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools and then there's MMA schools. The MMA schools are training fighters, so they have the fighter mentality and something to prove. You generally want to go to the martial arts ones where uh, the classic Brazilian jiu-jitsu because they'll be much calmer and more about the art and the learning than the fighting. So that's going to be big. Uh, secondly, other than the gi, you want to make sure the instructor is a black belt that has a good lineage, you know, generally a, uh, like a Gracie lineage. And usually you don't have to go back too far who they got their belt from, who they got their belt from, and usually you find the source. And so that's second. And then third, when you you visit and just sit in on a class, not to participate, just to watch and get the vibe of the room. So you want to have really good training partners and a really good in attentive instructor. So if you, if you see, if you like what you see, you get a good welcoming feeling, that's probably a good place uh, for you to be. The last thing you want is an unintentive instructor with a bunch of guys just are trying to beat each other up. That's not what you want. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a long time, but you know, I, I've done, you know, in decades past, you know, in, in a much younger life, uh, you know, more, you know, judo, like actual judo or actual taekwondo. Um, and uh, one of the things that, I, that, that kind of strikes me about uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is sort of, if you were going to like, if if a situation occurred where you're out at a bar and someone starts some shit and you're going to get into a fight, that seems like the more valuable one to know. Like you know, because you always see the thing in movies where like the guy knows karate and it's like, well, yeah, then you got you got to give him like a ten foot circle, you know, so he can get <laughs> kind of get get the right moves in and stuff. And it's like this seems much more like the the grappling aspect seems much more practical. When, when Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gets a, uh, a reputation for, you know, bringing the fight to the ground and ending it there, and it's very proficient at that. But the part of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that's not well advertised, it's actually a, it's more than that. What it originally was was a self-defense system. So how do you not go to the ground? How do you disengage? How do you go away? And if it comes time where you actually have to engage, you know, how do you defend yourself standing up as well as on the ground? So um, in the way we train it out, out here in Hawaii, which is like the uh, the original lineage, we will also practice sometimes with uh, with weapons and different situations with strikes, which are generally not part of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But what you last thing is you want to do is give somebody going into a fight or a scene where they might get into a fight with a false sense of confidence, where they be able to handle themselves and engage in the fight rather than uh, running away or trying to get out of there. So it's good to have a full, complete self-defense system, which includes striking and takedown defenses and, and not just the ground very cool all right well i mean i'll, I'll I, I will look into that like i said you know it, i i almost feel left out in the infosec circles uh you know because everyone everyone seems to be doing the, the brazilian jiu-jitsu in some way shape or form you know, uh, you know, just on one last bit about that it's 
we hack bits and bytes for so long. A lot of what we do is very risk based. It's very cerebral. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu maps to the uh, to the hacker brain or the infotech brain really well. It's really just human chess. You know, it's a it's a game. I move here. You move there. Who knows more? Who can execute better? And it's just a it's a different way of hacking the system. And that's why, like, you find the, these really wiry 160 pound, you know, guys and they're super dangerous because they just geek out on this stuff, you know, all the time. And they're dangerous. Okay, very cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to to join me. Um, and uh, you know, it, it seems sort of far away, uh, not far away, but it seems like it's a little ways off now. Like it's not on my immediate horizon. But you know, Black Hat is literally around the corner. So I guess I'll uh, you know see you in another you know month and a half. Absolutely, Black Hat's going to be fun. The Bit Discovery team is going to be uh, on site doing our promoting the the importance of asset inventory. So. If you want to look, have a look, let me know. All right, very cool. Well, take care, and I will uh, see you in Vegas. Thanks a lot, Tony. Appreciate it. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.